Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Really happy to be having an opportunity to show what he can do. And speaking of showing what he can do, Josh Okogi. Throw a depot and the Pacers. Okogi. Oh my goodness. Rose finds Tyus Jones. Corner three. Goodness. Okogi did a great job driving McDermott <laughs> into the air. Follows through and a chance for a three point play. Rose hears the green call and rattles it in. 101 91 the final. The Timberwolves outscore the Pacers 29 to 18 in this quarter. I, I just like the way, you know, like he sort of persevered through it. You know, and I thought the uh, the spirit of the team was strong. Like, his teammates were encouraging him to shoot, and he just kept playing, which I think is important. And then I thought Tyus and uh, Gorgie and uh, Anthony Tolliver and Derek and, and Jimmy, that group played well again. All right, Josh Okogie last night. 12 points, 5 of 13 shooting after he started, by the way, 2 of 9. Mm-hmm. Four rebounds, three steals. The 20-year-old came in 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 place of the injured Wiggy in the first quarter and was really, really very good. Can Tom Thibodeau now please find a place in his rotation for this young man to develop and learn and play? Because I would say after observing him last night against an Indiana Pacers team that's not a bad team, that Josh Okogie deserves every chance to develop his talents at the NBA level by being part of the Wolves' rotation if Wiggins is playing, if Butler is playing, this whole nonsense a couple days ago about the fact that Tibbs had to run a nine-man rotation Manny Hill and that it didn't have room for Josh Okogie is absolutely ridiculous. This is the exact type of player who needs to play, and we saw it last night. And by the way, this was an Indiana Pacers team that won 48 games last year and pushed the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James in the first round last year to seven games. And had a legitimate chance to win that series and knock LeBron James out of the playoffs last year in the first round. So this is this was not a by any stretch of the imagination a bad basketball team that Okogie and the rest of the guys on the bench played very well against last night. So I I I, I to me it's been baffling how Tom Thibodeau has handled rookies anyway, like since he got here and. To me, you know, and he's always said things like, well, you know, minutes are earned, they're not given, and we get that. But 
if this kid can come in and play for you and 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 play defense, which is what you love, right? Mm-hmm. Right, Tibbs? Mm-hmm. This is what you love. You want guys that are going to guard and defend. This is a kid who's 6'4", 6'5", and has a wingspan of seven feet. So he's got he's got length. He's got athleticism. He plays hard defensively. Get him some minutes. Get him some minutes. But this, how, how is he supposed to earn minutes this if he's nonsense, looking up? This nonsense, though, a couple days ago about the fact that I play a nine-man rotation and he can't, you know, we don't have room. And if he earns, yeah. he's playing. To, he earned it last night. He earned it last night. This is very simple now. He is, and I don't care how you do it. I don't care who doesn't play as much. If Josh Okogie can consistently play for, let's say, five to ten games, let's say ten games, Manny, if he can consistently play like he did last night, I think you give very strong thought, at least thought, to bringing Andrew Wiggins off your bench and having Josh Okogie start. Josh Okogie, (laughs) if you saw him last night, what you saw... He started two for nine, and I thought to myself, oh boy, this is not going to be good. What you saw was a player who pulled himself very quickly out of a shooting slump and then shot very well after that. What you saw last night I thought was a very mature player on the floor for the age of 20. Mm-hmm. What you saw last night was a guy who did not appear to get, as Bud Grant used to say, down in the dauber when things went wrong, which I firmly believe that Wiggy does. Yeah. So I think you've got something here. And if I'm Tibbs, I develop that. I don't now say Andrew's going to play again, and so no, 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 no. I go, I, I go against that. And what I do is say we might have something here. Let's develop it and let's spend time doing that. And I don't care how much Andrew Wiggins might be making. But see, I got to call you out now because last week, whenever I brought up rational thoughts. Yep. In regards to this team, I you know. told me I can't think that way, Judd. I know. You told me I can't think that All right, way. All br- right, bring it on. Let so me hear it. You can't, you cannot. I told you before we started the show today, I told you, watch what's going to happen. Andrew Wiggins is going to be ready to go because they said it was a, a thigh contusion or something like that. Basically right, a bruise. It's a right quad, quad contusion. contusion. So, yes, okay. it's a bruise. All right. So, tomorrow they're playing the Toronto Raptors in Toronto. Obviously, Andrew Wiggins' hometown. So we know that Andrew Wiggins is going to try his his best to try and play that game and be active and available for that game. You watch what happens. Andrew Wiggins will start the game. And the first guard off the bench will be Derrick Rose. And Josh Okogie won't play. Write that down. Do you think he won't play? I, I Do you think be, he will not play? I. Are you saying a DNPCD? I would not be surprised. I will bet you. I will bet you. I would not be surprised. I will bet you five dollars that he plays. I think he should. Yeah, absolutely. I will bet you. I will bet you five bucks he plays. How much he plays? I'm not sure. But did you not see a player last night who who deserves who deserves every opportunity? Absolutely. And did you not see a player last night who, when he's when both of them are healthy, could push Andrew in a positive way? I think we saw a guy last night who, if you want to attempt at least to motivate Andrew and get Wiggy to say, oh my oh my goodness, there's some competition here, I think this kid could do it. He Well, he brings them everything that Andrew Wiggins doesn't bring them. And, it's one, them. and it's one game. I get and that. So, it's so if game. you're yelling at the radio right now, it's one game. But you saw something there. It's one game, but... This is a first-round pick we're talking about, and this is a kid that has 
physical tools that like he, he everything he did last night was about what I expected of him in terms of what I thought he could bring to the table. He's going to play fast. He's going to play hard. The shot needs some development. I think we all knew that going in. And he's going to play really good defense, and he's going to be disruptive. And he's going to play with energy. That's exactly what I thought Josh and Kogi could be. And, I mean, if, if Tibbs can't find a way to get this kid in the lineup, it, it's just it's baffling to me. Ding, ding. I thought that might have been one of, one of Cat's best defensive games. I thought he did a number of great things. Uh, challenging shots, making people miss inside, rebounding the ball, getting it out quickly. Um, yeah, I thought he played a terrific all-around game. That's right. Tibbs saying, and rightfully so, that last night against the Pacers, Cat played defense. The Wolves had given up in their first three games, Manny Hill, 112 points, 123 points, and 140 points to the Mavericks on Saturday before that number was reduced to 91 points at Target Center last night. Cat, three blocks, 14 boards, 17 points, eight of those 14 boards in the second half. Eureka. This is a big deal. Yes. This is a very big deal because it might not be sexy and it might not be the fun part of the game in which to watch this potential superstar operate. But if he can figure it out defensively, one, Jimmy Butler should then shut up, Mm -hmm. and two... It is an enormous step for this franchise and relief for this franchise. And we've heard a lot of players say this, and Charles Barkley has said this before, you know, and whether you agree with Charles on things or not, I mean, that's fine, whatever. But Charles said something that's always stuck to me. He said this years ago. If you're a star player and offense, if your offensive game is not there, like your shot's not falling or you're not getting their opportunities, you got to find other ways to help your team win, whether it's rebounding or defending or being disruptive, taking a charge, whatever it might be. You know, make plays for other people, perhaps, if your shot's not falling. In the case of what we saw last night from Carl Anthony Towns, he wasn't, again, it's kind of the same old thing with the offense. He wasn't a big focus of the offense. We're kind of, just, we've gotten used to seeing to, to that being the case now. I'm not quite but, sure why sometimes, by the way. Right, for sure. And, and I'm with you on that. But he found other ways to help the team. Mm-hmm. He defended, he rebounded, made some plays for other people. That's, you know, he, he got on the floor and ran. When they got stops, he ran down the floor. I mean, that's they did a lot of that last night, which I thought was really good. That's what I've been begging for them to do since last year was to get out and run when you get stops. Now you have to get stops in order to get out and run, obviously. Tips pointed that out as well. That's been a big that's been a bit of a problem early on in the season. But when you have those opportunities, get out and run. And you know, and Cat did a little bit of everything. And that's if you're not gonna be a feature part of the offense, which we can complain about that all day, find other ways to help. How close did last night's game come to you to being what this team is truly capable of doing? Because there's been so many Wolves games, especially under Tibbs, where they do something and it's dumb or they or they fall apart. How close did last night, as a Wolves fan, come to you to being, okay, if you could consistently play like this against good teams, mm-hmm. you're going to be fairly successful? Yeah, I mean, I, that's what's so maddening about the first couple of games is that you know, from what you saw last night, you, you know what this team is capable of. This is a good team. When you look at the personnel, this is a good team. Now, they're, they're flawed. 
They still don't really have a whole lot of three-point shooting. I mean, Anthony Tolliver's there, but they don't have a whole lot of three-point shooting. Hit one last night. One three-pointer for Tolliver last night, too. So, non-factor in that area. Right. But they did take 32 of them last night as a team, which... They didn't hit a whole lot. They were three for 26 you know at what? one point. I was happy with it, though. But I was happy with Shoot it. Shoot them. And a lot of the shots that they took were good. So it, what what we saw last night was a lot more like what me personally, I envision this team looking like when they're, when they're going well, is that you got Butler doing his thing. Cat is contributing in other ways when he's not scoring. Guys are getting out and running. They're, they're playing more guys on the bench, you know, for a change. Tom Thibodeau, and it, you know you, you beat a good team last night. So I was happy with last night. Speaking of the bench, ding ding. You know I think Gorgie's playing at a high level too, which is important for us. Uh, and it, we have a number of guys. When you have Tyus, Derek, and Jimmy on the floor, and Anthony spacing, and G's putting a lot of pressure on the rim, uh, but you have you know multiple playmakers, and so we can if we get stops and we get out into the open floor. We're going to get good looks. I think we're going to score a ton of points. I was proud of Tibbs last night. Mm-hmm. I was proud of Tibbs. He used his bench. The, the yeah. Wolves The Wolves trailed 73-72 after three quarters. They started the fourth quarter with Tyus, Gorgie, Akogi, Tolliver, and Rose and went on a 9-0 run. Those five players, Tyus, 8 points, 2 assists. Gorgie, 2 points, 2 rebounds. Akogi, 6 points in the quarter. Tolliver hits a 3. Rose, six points, two assists. And in the entire fourth quarter, Manny Hill, they had four points, two from Gibson and two from Towns from their starters. Tibbs actually used his bench last night, and guess what? It paid off. Kogi. It paid off. And Tyus, I thought Tyus was fantastic. Tyus played really well, and, you know, the shot was kind of off for him for most of the night. He only shot three of ten, but he made plays for other people. I mean, that's and and that's where it helps to have when you have a three guard lineup, and you know, look, I, I got to give Derrick Rose some credit. He's he's played very well. I mean, for the most part, does that pain you to do? No, I mean because he, is, he can be used correctly. He if used actually correctly, can be okay, right? Yeah, and and I, my only issue with with the Rose signing was that, especially last year, it was like, well, number one, it was just the easy the easy move for Tom Thibodeau to make because I got to get my guy Derrick that I had in Chicago. You know, but what bugged me about it was just that they need three point shooting and he didn't really add that. And they needed a defender, which he didn't really add that. Now he's he's a capable defender if you don't have him guarding guys that are six eight, <coughs> Luka Doncic, like he was doing on, on uh Saturday night. But yeah, and I mean Derrick Rose Saturday, okay. I look at Derrick Rose as a sort of a better version of what they got out of Jamal Crawford last year. He's just going to come off the bench, get yeah. some points for you, and, yep. and and play with some energy. Get out on the break when he when he gets out and runs, he's good. He does really well, and so the the bench, I I I, I liked what we saw from the bench. My only concern, Judd, is I don't know if we're going to continue to see Tibbs do this. All right, here's what's weird about that, that's what bugs. I'll me give you it. what's weird about Tibbs so far, and I think it's it's um, fallout of the Butler situation and you might be right about this in fact let's come back because there's two things when it comes to tibbs right now that are great to see and the only question is does uh, does tibbs keep these things up or does his being forced to trade jimmy completely change it 
We'll discuss next. Mackie and Judd is the show. Uh, Phil will join the show at 4 o'clock. And then don't forget the football hour with uh, Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin at 5. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and Judd. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic. It's brought to you by Kitchen Window. 394 eastbound, we have a crash in Minneapolis between Dunwoody Boulevard and 94. Uh, factor in a few extra minutes in your commute there. And 494 eastbound, we have a stalled vehicle uh, near Newport. Uh, that's between Highway 61 and Bailey Road, and a lane is blocked there, so be on the lookout for that. Don't miss the Knife Fest this weekend from 10 to 4 at Kitchen Window, Calhoun Square in Uptown. A free knife sharpening, free knife seminars, and 20 to 70% off all cutlery. Kitchen Windows Knife Fest at Calhoun Square this weekend. Details at kitchenwindow.com. You know, I think... Gorgie's playing at a high level too, which is important for us. Uh, and it, we have a number of guys. We have Tyus, Derek, and Jimmy on the floor, and Anthony spacing. And G's putting a lot of pressure on the rim. Uh, but you have you know multiple playmakers, and so we can, if we get stops and we get out into the open floor, we're going to get good looks. I think we're going to score a ton of points. All right, one more Wolves thought before I get to a grand plan for what the Wild should do, and uh, then we get to Manny's four deep thoughts at approximately 3.30. I've been to uh, both of the home games this year in the press area, which Manny is right near, as you know, the Wolves bench. Right. And two Tibbs observations. One is, there's no question in my mind that he's trying to incorporate the bench more, which mm-hmm. is which is a solid, smart move. Correct. The other is, and he was asked about this um, by Britt Robson of The Athletic after the opener and downplayed it completely, but it's true. For him, he's being super quiet. We're not getting the constant verbal abuse is too strong. We're not getting the constant verbal verbalization of everything everything Tibbs thinks. We're Game getting, over, then. Game the, over then. The constipated looks continue, <laughs> especially when something goes wrong defensively. You still get the Tibbs constipation looks. He likes having conversations with the officials still. He, and he's still doing that. Yep. But we are, and I'm, I'm not sure if it comes across or does not come across as much on Fox, because Fox Sports North at times last year, you could hear the verbal diatribe not end. <laughs> so it might not, so you might not pick up on that as much, but I swear in these first two home games, at least we are getting a very toned down Tibbs. And I don't know yeah. if, I don't know if that comes from players like Jimmy saying, as long as I got to be here, just shut up. And Butler <laughs> keeps talking about him screaming, but I don't think he's coming close to screaming nearly as much as he did last year. It's not nearly as much. The only thing I have still noticed is once in a while when the Wolves are on offense and somebody's, you know, whether it's Butler or Teague or somebody dribbling, once in a while you'll hear Tibbs yell, keep moving, keep moving. And most of the time guys are just still like standing there. Yes, and well, not moving. he brought that up last <laughs> night that too. Cracks me up. He said he said in his post game press conference <laughs> they always say that they want to run and then they walk. <laughs> he did bring that up. Yeah, but I think this is definitely a guy, and I don't know if this lasts. It might not. That's, see, that's I think right now th- this is a guy. What four games in? Mm-hmm. Who is trying his damnedest to be 
far more for him for him relaxed. Yeah, well, I mean, he he's he's got to relax a little bit, right? I mean, we were saying this two years ago. No, because we haven't seen it. Like, (laughs) no, he doesn't. (laughs) I said that two years ago. I said I was concerned about the guy's health. Oh, and he's lost weight. He's definitely lost weight. Really? I don't know if this is the stress from the Butler thing or a diet. He's definitely lost some weight. Good for him. I I haven't noticed that, but admittedly, I haven't really, like, tried to notice, but maybe I'll... The pants on opening night... Suit pants were droopy. <laughs> they didn't fit nearly as well. He's not getting new clothes. The wardrobe is the same. The waistline is a little bit smaller. But the quieter Tibbs is definitely something. And I'm I am very curious to see how long quieter Tommy lasts. Yeah, I I mean I I, I don't know. He he I just that that is my biggest question on on all of this like in terms of just him being quiet or you know playing the guys off the bench getting giving a Kogi good run is is any of this going to last if is this going to be a thing now like is Josh Okogi going to get oh I don't significant bl- I don't believe now? that unless until we actually so see we actually Butler see and Wiggins playing and Okogi playing right he wouldn't have played if Andrew hadn't got hurt last night no we wouldn't have saw him at all and the only reason why and he started Okogie started the game in Dallas on Saturday, but that was only because Butler was sitting out the game. Would you be tempted to bring Wiggins off the bench at some point? I don't know if I would do that, but I I would definitely pull back on some of Andrew's minutes, and I would give some of those minutes to Josh Okogie. Mm-hmm. I would pull back on Derrick Rose's minutes, and I would give some of those minutes to Josh Okogie. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. Speaking of playing time, I have a grand idea. Staylock plays it for Coyle. Coyle carries in for Minnesota. They have numbers at the Tampa line. Brandlin fires, scores! And the Wild win in overtime! We know he can handle the puck, so was, uh, he's a smart guy. So he sees what's going on out there. So I, uh, I bow to his, his thought process. <laughs> I wrote this for the website on Monday. I, I tweeted it from my bar stool at Bunny's on Saturday, and I'm going to bring it to the air on Tuesday. And old school hockey people are going to all get very, very upset and offended and say, Judd, that's not going to, that's the stupidest thing that we've heard. Alex Stalock, your backup goaltender. And I want to start this by saying this is no knock against Devin Dubnik whatsoever. He's been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. On Friday in the second period at Dallas, he won you that game. You rallied and won because of his play in the second period. Alex Stalock should be your three-on-three overtime goaltender. His ability to play the puck, Manny Hill, is so good and is so effective Mm -hmm. that he becomes a fourth skater. And Devin Dubnik would tell, if you went to him right now and asked him, he would tell you that playing the puck is not a strength. He's six foot six. And five-on-five, five, he's damn good. Mm-hmm. But in the three-on-three three nature of overtime, where possession and ability to move the puck as quick as possible with a ton of open ice is absolutely paramount, and you've got a wild team that skews to being slow, Alex Dalek's ability to move the puck would give you and gives you an advantage every time. He cut off on Saturday in that win against Tampa Bay. Three-on-three, three, he cut off what would have been an icing call. Most coaches would have gone ballistic because he saw the opportunity to keep the puck moving and play it. 
and that's when he played it to Grandland, and they scored. This makes perfect sense. And now I'm going to get, but he's not warmed up. What happens? He's not warmed up. Okay, a couple things. It's 2018. Find a way to get him warmed up sufficiently because I'm talking about him coming in and making a couple saves, but more importantly, playing the puck. Get him warmed up. Come up, come up with a plan. The other thing, just quickly, is this. Five years ago, I would have looked at what I'm saying now and said, that is really stupid, Judd. But you know what? Going into this baseball season, if I had sat here and told you, hey, Manny, I got an idea. Really good idea. We're going to have relief pitchers start games, and I'm going to call them the opener. And then they're going to get replaced by the real pitcher. And we're going to start it in Tampa Bay, and you know what? It's going to work. Because it did work for them. Yeah. If it's done correctly. One ninety some games. Yeah. So if it's done correctly, it can work. So don't give me this. I Now more than ever in sports, don't give me the, we've always done it this way, so we can't change. Well, wouldn't you, in, in the case of, you know, getting Staylock warmed up, wouldn't you be able to find a way to do that in once regulation ends? There'd be... Would there, wouldn't there be a way to do that to get him loose and get him to stretch a little bit more? Well, just and, go st- if you think you're going to OT, go go have him do a start some type of regimen in the locker room where he starts stretching. Mm-hmm. Well, because here, here's, yes. here's here's the thing with that too. What 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 happens if Devin Dubnik pulls a groin or something, making a save? Then he has to go in cold, completely cold. Then he has to go in cold anyway, right? So what what the hell difference does it make if he's well he's not warmed up? Well, heaven forbid Devin Dubnik get hurt in the second period because guess what? Stalock's got to go in and guess what? He's not warmed up then either. There's no good Good re- luck. There's no good reason not to do this. Give it a shot. There's no good reason. If, if it works, why it's the same thing I would tell Tibbs about Josh Okogie. If he's playing well, why would he need to why does he need to earn minutes? Earn minutes if he's playing well. Jason Zucker on Staylock playing the hockey puck. He handles it better than most of our forwards, including <laughs> myself. I mean, it, it's unreal watching him. So it's uh, it's good out there. Marcus Foligno on the same thing. Yeah, he's got to be up there and one of the best in the league and how he plays the puck. I mean, he's he can rifle a puck too, and uh, it just helps. Especially you saw guys passing to him too. He's just another option. So it's almost like a four and three, especially in our zone. So. Um, that's huge, especially in three on three. It just he creates so much, uh, so much more opportunities to, to beat a team in overtime. And uh, you saw that great play made of suits and almost the granny. Do it. There's nothing. There's no reason not to. And I'm not suggesting that Alex Stalock starts any more games than he's presently starting. Mm-hmm. Devin Dubnik's still really, really good. This is not a referendum on him whatsoever. But when you're three on three, Devin Dubnik plays in his crease. He is not very good at playing the puck. Everything about three-on-three screams for a guy of Stalock's abilities. Everything. It's a different game. It's fun to watch. I I actually enjoy it, Mm -hmm. but it's not hockey as we know it. It's pond hockey. You ever bring it up with Louie on on the podcast? I'm going to on Thursday. I would would love to hear what he has to say about it. I'm going to on Thursday, but I'm going to push this hard. I think that this is a... I've had a lot of harebrained stupid ideas. And I'll admit to that. <laughs> I have. I mean, I've been right about some stuff that I don't think I'm right about at times, but I will admit that I've come up with I've come up with plans and I've suggested some on this show and I've suggested some in print and I have and I have not suggested some. 
But after what I saw on Saturday, I see no reason not to give this some thought, especially when you have a team that already skews to being slow. At least try it out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At least try it out for a few what's the, overtime what's situations. The worst, and... the worst thing that happens is he allows a bad goal, but you lost to uh, Carolina at home in OT. And and in that particular situation, Manny, you had Parisi, Koivu, and Suter, who are all slow old men, on the ice, which made zero sense. Mm-hmm. Give yourself as much opportunity as as possible, to be as quick as possible in that format, and stay like uh, does that. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd, Phil will join at the 4 o'clock. But coming up next, Manny's four deep thoughts. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN, we now present Manny Hill's Four Deep Thoughts. All righty, sir. All right, Four Deep Thoughts. My Four Deep Thoughts are uh, pretty interesting this week, so we'll just get it started right now. Number one. Ingram was usually pretty mild-mannered. It's hot now. Paul punches a throw. Throwing punches. Ingram comes in. He's throwing punches. Security trying to separate. So are some of the teammates. Boy, that quickly erupted into something ugly. Ball trying to keep Ingram away. And then in another spot, another fight erupted. There's going to be suspensions for this one as Rondo immediately heads back to the locker room. Oh, boy, were their suspensions handed out all right. Uh, Brandon Ingram got four games, and uh, I believe Chris Paul and uh, Rajon Rondo each got three for this little scuffle on Saturday. Why not more? We used to get way more. In fact, I saw. I think it was Carmelo who said he was very, very pleased that Chris Paul got a couple games because back in the day he got like 15. Why didn't Why didn't we get 10, 12 game suspensions here? I don't know. That was interesting because punches were thrown. Yes, the, on, the only explanation I saw was that I believe uh, the Carmelo suspension that I'm talking about came two or three years after the Malice in the Palace. But I always thought the NBA post-Tom Janovich was very big if punches were thrown on coming down hard. Those suspensions to me were uh, very hockey-like in there in there being not many games. I, was, I thought we would get 10 at least. I thought so too. If you too, threw a punch. But I, I will tell you one reason why there probably wasn't. Chris Paul, because Chris Paul is okay. You know he's a big voice in the for the players' union, and you suspend the head of the the players' leader of the players' union. You suspend him ten games for throwing a punch. I don't know. I did like the Zapruder type film of Rondo spitting on Paul, though, (laughs) where they had the slow motion. You could see the spittle. The saliva of Rondo making its way towards Paul's face. You had to look closely, yeah. but they, they slowed it down so much that you could definitely see that he directed quite a bit of his saliva scattered in a way right at Chris Paul. My whole thing, too, is how'd you like to be LeBron James in that situation? Because Rajon Rondo's your teammate. But he but grabbed Chris, Paul. But Chris Paul he is just gra- like... He yeah. gra- Chris he gra- Paul's like your best no, buddy, he like saved your Paul. brother. He yeah. saved Paul completely. Yeah. He grabbed Paul and hugged him. It's like, it's okay, buddy. Plus, plus, I'm sorry. If my teammate spits at, at an opponent, I'm out on my teammate. 
Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's Rondo, to, Rondo has a history of... Oh, yeah. It's one thing to throw a punch. It's another to spit. If you spit, I'm done with you. <laughs> Number two. Seventh play of the drive for the Raiders. Carr looking for Lynch. Now goes the other way. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Amari Cooper. Well, he's not a Raider anymore. He's a Dallas Cowboy. Amari Cooper headed to Dallas for a first-round pick. And um, I don't... Amari Cooper's not bad, but you really give up a first-round pick for him? He drops a lot of passes, he right? Does, That's the problem with Amari Cooper. Uh, you know what? I, In defense of the trade, if you're the Cowboys, I saw the experts saying that there are quite a few receivers coming out in this 2019 draft, but they're not that good. Mm. So the Cowboys' feeling was Mark Cooper is going to be an upgrade on what we could potentially get at the receiver position with that first-round pick. So that's why. I don't know. The, the Oakland thing. They have punted on this the season. Oakland, well, the, right? o- the only thing that I can figure is, if I'm not mistaken, they're in their last year in Oakland, correct? They're going right. to Las Vegas next year. And that Gruden's been told, we don't care, so do what you want. Because this whole thing... Khalil Mack, and, and I know that he was going to be extremely expensive, and they were saying that they couldn't afford him. But now this trade, and now there's talk about Carr's future there. Mm-hmm. It really looks to me like they are they are probably correctly thinking we're going into Vegas in 2019. Nobody there is going to care if we win a single game. So we've got time now, and because we're going to be leaving Oakland, we've got we don't care about them. This does. This looks to me like a a two-year or three-year, we're taking mulligans, and we're going to do whatever we want to reconstruct this franchise. And Gruden's got the luxury of all the time he wants. Yeah, got what, contract. a 10-year contract? Yeah. So, but it is it is weird for a team that you felt was really close to being relevant for a while. Now is off the map. Didn't they just, they just gave Derek Carr a new contract, right? Yes. Pretty expensive contract, right? Oh, yeah. It's a quarterback contract. Oh, boy. But the whole thing is very bizarre. It's really weird. Number three. Speaking of quarterbacks. We begin with breaking news. Broncos backup quarterback Chad Kelly has been arrested on trespassing charges. We just got his mugshot. You can see he appears to actually be smiling. Inglewood police tell us he was standing outside of a home, then somehow got inside and was chased out. The source tells us the Broncos were throwing a Halloween party at the Gothic Theater just down the street from where this all happened. The team also just released a statement in the last 10 minutes saying they're disappointed and are in the process of gathering more information. Kelly could face discipline from the league for violating the personnel conduct policy. Hey, Case Keenum, I got a message for you. As bad as you've been playing, your job is probably safe. So, yeah, hold on a second. So this guy clearly goes out and gets drunk or something as can be. Mm-hmm. He's a backup quarterback for a National Football League team, and he pulls this stunt? Yeah. John Elway's ability to recognize quarterback talent and brains is really, really poor. Yeah. I mean, he, I, can't, I, he can't do anything right quarterback-wise, can he? I mean, he drafted Paxton Lynch and then pulled the plug on that. And don't, tell me, signing, and don't tell me signing Peyton Manning is some genius move. Okay? <laughs> Yeah, you only signed like one of the two or three greatest quarterbacks of all time who wanted to be there. I have seen mug shots of people smiling after being arrested, and inevitably they're all very intoxicated. So she should not be that surprised that this guy was smiling. But John Elway, my God, 
have some ability to find a quarterback. You you were one of the best of all time. Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation there in Denver. All right. Go. Number four. You're going to see him right here. He's one-on-one. Maybe a slant. Incomplete. You increase your chances by 50% if you go for it and make it there. So that's, that's what you do. Because then if we score a touchdown, we just kick the extra point and win. And I felt good about the two-point play. You guys saw that. I think we got the ball in there, right? And we just didn't connect on it. So that was Pat Shermer, head coach of the Giants, and uh, they lost to Atlanta last night on Monday Night Football, 23-20. to The uh, Giants are now 1-6 and on the season, and uh, Pat Shermer was getting a little flack for scoring a touchdown down 20-6 to to make it 20-12, to and they, they went for two and didn't get it. And so he was getting some flack for that, but I didn't really have a problem with it. Well, the old school people went nuts. Of course they did. But you knew they would. Yeah. They hate that move. But it's like, I I didn't see anything wrong with it. The only problem I had with it was the fact that Odell Beckham dropped the pass. Yep. <laughs> Here's what I have wrong with the entire thing. Why is anybody in their right mind sweating that when this team is absolutely off the tracks terrible? Right. And these morons didn't take a quarterback? Right. I don't care if Saquon Barkley is the next Adrian Peterson, Jim Brown, and Walter Payton all wrapped into one. You idiots had a chance to take a quarterback, and you hired a head coach who was perceived as you hired him as sort of a quarterback whisperer, and you passed so that you could keep Eli Manning, who's clearly absolutely oh, done and cooked. cooked. And, and unless I'm completely missing something here... I don't think you get to double dip because I don't know what the 2019 quarterback class in the draft looks like, but I have not heard great things. So it's not like you have a choice of four more quarterbacks early in the draft where if you're the Giants, you're surely going to draft. So we're worried about a two-point conversion? Well, and they're one in five. They're one in five at that point. I mean, they lost the game to so the one six, but it's like they're one in five. So why are we? That's what I'm saying. Pat Shermer's trying to do whatever he can to just try to win a football game. Why are we? Why is anybody? Right. Why is anybody sweating the analytics of a decision when all we should be talking about is the fact that these people didn't take a quarterback? And, you took a running back. And by the way, again, I'll say it again. Odell Beckham just catch the damn ball. He dropped the ball. Like, he's a he's a catch the ball. He's a weird. You know, he's a just, weird. It wasn't the greatest man. throw by Eli, but Odell catch the ball. But this organization's a mess. It is. This organization's a mess. And the other thing too is, if you want to talk about something when it comes to the Giants that makes sense to talk about, let's talk about hiring an offensive coordinator from the Vikings, who football wise I think is very very smart, especially offensively. But Pat Shermer, if you sit down and talk to him for a half hour. You identify him as a guy who probably isn't a great fit as head coach of the New York, New York Giants, <laughs> New York, Arizona. Okay, you know what? That might have worked out just fine. Yeah, he's not He's not right for that. No, for he's that not. But, but who's sitting down with him and saying, yeah, yeah this will work out fine? Like, who are these people who are not drafting quarterbacks and are hi- hiring a guy who's had, what, one shot with Cleveland years mm-hmm. ago, but is basically thought of as an offensive coordinator? and mentally isn't wired at all for a job that I will fully admit is incredibly difficult? What are you doing? And why are we worried about the analytics of a two-point decision when these moronic decisions are being made and those are what we should be talked about?
Like I saw these tweets from New York last night. Oh, we're going to grill Pat Shermer. What are you, idiots? I'll give you five bleeping talkers that are more relevant and more important than if Pat Shermer might have maybe should have kicked a PAT. I agree. Go for the two. Mm-hmm. But you just said it. They're what? One and five? One and six? Yeah. They're done anyway. So he's just trying to do whatever. He's just trying to win a football game. But, and he doesn't have time to to go for a conventional wisdom because a lot of old school people are just like saying, well, he should have kicked the extra point. Well, he's trying to win a football game. Yeah. He's won one out of six at that point. That's he's why trying I, to win a game. That's why I'm trying to help people. And that's why I want my guy, Boots, three on three, overtime, put Staylock in goal. All I'm, <laughs> trying, Kogi, all I'm trying to do is help. As a fellow old guy, all I'm trying to do is help you old people come around to thinking like you should when it comes to sports. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here. 169 southbound, we've got a crash uh, near Golden Valley between uh, Shillard Parkway and 394. Figure... Uh, an extra four minutes on your commute there. And also 35W southbound in Minneapolis between uh, Highway 55 and Portland Avenue South. Prepare for about, who get this, 17-minute delay. That is uh, due to a crash there on 35W. Martinez hits and throws, but he's got Morgan wide open. Stanley Morgan got lost, and Stanley Morgan's got six. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Uh, Phil will join the show at the top of the hour. Judd and Manny until then. And uh, you just heard a highlight from the Gophers' completely embarrassing debacle of a loss. Boy, was that bad. To a previously winless Nebraska team, 53-28 to uh, on Saturday in Lincoln, Nebraska. All right. Chip Scoggins wrote about this in his column in Sunday Star Tribune. And uh, Randy Johnson, who covers the team, wrote about it Um from a more objective point of view in Monday's paper. But that is the job security of a guy by the name of Rob Smith. Rob Smith. And now you're saying, okay, Rob Smith. Who's Rob Smith? Rob Smith is the defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Gophers. Manny Hill, let me give you the past six Big Ten games, points given up by the Gophers. Mm. This starts last uh, November against Northwestern, includes a game at TCF Bank Stadium against Wisconsin, and then four games the Gophers have lost this season. 39, 31, 42, 48, 30, and 53. And now you might say to me, okay, Judd, but did you look up how many of those points were off interceptions or or fumbles that were picked up? And I did. It's seven. The rest of those points have all come against the Golden Gophers' defense. And Chip's point on Sunday, and, and he asked P.J. Fleck about this, and he is a thousand percent right, is we got to start looking at the at your defensive coordinator, Rob Smith, because the Huskers, who entered this game 0-6 mm-hmm. and averaging 23.3 points per game, okay? Yep. Against the Gopher defense that, according to Chip, started nine upperclassmen. So the whole P.J. we're young thing doesn't apply here. Mm-hmm. Now, if P.J. wants to say we, we stink, we're, we're defensively inept, he can, but he did not say that. 
Huskers are ranked 109th nationally in scoring with the point total I gave you. The Gophers gave up against a winless team. So this is not Nebraska as we think of Nebraska. 659 total yards, which included 10 plays that gained at least 20 yards. I'm going to give you one more stat that Randy had in Monday Star Tribune. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the eye-opener for all of those who just said, well, yeah, it's one game, small sample size. I love the kids today. It's always a small sample size. Star Tribune fact. The Gophers' defense has given up 21 touchdowns in Big Ten play this season. But that's not the astounding thing. That's not where you have defensive coordinator. Really, they only played four Big Ten games? The average length of each touchdown play, 31 and a half yards. So the... <laughs> 21 touchdowns. I'll, I'll go back and then and then you can react. But just to make that clear again, 21 touchdowns in Big Ten play, four games. Average length of each touchdown play, 31.5 yards. So it's not even like long, methodical drives that these teams are putting together. It's big plays. I want, it's big, explosive plays. I want to say that Maryland, in their victory over the Gophers, and this is Maryland, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if they ran a play in the red zone that entire day. And they scored 42 points yeah. that day. Maryland did. Yes. I Listen, I, you know, I want to see this program win a Big Ten title, go to the Rose Bowl as much as anybody. But th- this, and and I tweeted it out after the game, d- there is no defending of P.J. Fleck right now. This is not to say he should be fired. This is not to say he's, he's, his job should be on the line or anything like that, okay? I am the full believer that if you hire a new coach in college football, You've got to give him at least three, four, maybe even five years, depending on the situation he's walking into, before you can really judge where you're at and make a decision on, you know, if he's going to be your coach beyond that. But what we saw Saturday is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. For the for the people that are still invested into the program right now, for the people that are still caring about the program and showing up to TCF Bank Stadium on Saturdays, that, what we saw Saturday, should not be acceptable. And there are no excuses for it. These point totals are off the charts terrible. It's ridiculous. And Antoine Winfield Jr. is definitely missed. But once again, they started nine upperclassmen on Saturday. So unless you want to tell me, PJ's quote, according to uh, Scoggins' piece in Sunday's column in Sunday Star Tribune, schematically, we're in the right position. We just don't make the play. You've got to be able to make the play. Well, that's got to fall on somebody, and that falls on your defensive coordinator. You can't have this much ineptitude. And and, and here's where PJ has to be very mindful and very careful. He is in no trouble right now. Zero. But PJ Fleck is an offensive guy. Mm -hmm. And the expectations starting in 2019, as we've been told, are going to go up. The expectations for this team are going to go up starting in 2019. And when they go up, you need to be able to hit the ground running. And if you aren't a defensive guy, then you need to make damn sure that you've got the right person there. So don't give me this. I support all my coaches' stuff. He's an offensive guy, and I like some of the things I've seen offensively. Mm-hmm. They're getting receivers. Tyler Johnson makes makes Sunday 
NFL catches and then drops passes, mm-hmm. but he makes some catches where you're where they've had catches made where you say to yourself, "Whoa, there's something here." And offensively, I think they've they're certainly not perfect, but I feel that they're on the right track. But if PJ Fleck is going to allow this guy to be his defensive coordinator for the long term, they got to figure it out and do it quick. And the point totals I gave you and the ineptitude I gave you, they are allowing... Unbelievable. They are giving up 500, 503.8 yards per game. That's second worst in the conference, only to Illinois, which is a disaster. So, let's take a break. Uh, come back from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd becomes Mackie and Judd right after this. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN.